Happy New Year, Year Compass. Compass Bible Church. Woo, all right, new year, new season. Same mission. Same mission. Welcome to the Compass Equip Podcast. I'm Pastor Hayden, and I'm here with the Pastor Evan. Hello there. <laughs> here at Compass, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass in 2022, in 2023, and until Jesus comes back, is to reach people for Christ, teach people to be like Christ, and train people to serve Christ. And everything, including this podcast, is to fulfill that mission. Pastor Evan, you want to introduce us to our sermon today? All right, Compass, we have a new series of a one-off sermon, so it's a one-sermon series. It's a Siri. Ouch. <laughs> All right, the sermon title was New Year's Resolution, basically you know, a little play on the cultural, the cultural things that happen. Yeah. But the text was 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, and let me read that to you guys right now. Have nothing to do with irreverent Silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. All right, Pastor Hayden, of this text, what was the, the main thrust, the main point of your sermon? As I specified during the sermon, that 2023 should be the year that we trade in our short-lived resolutions and sh- instead train ourselves for godliness that guarantees benefits for now and eternity. So as we work through these points, Pastor Evan, what are some helpful questions that we could probably answer that would be great for our church to know as we move forward this year and through this sermon this week in life groups and personal devotion time? Well, Pastor Evan, I think it'd be helpful for us just to quickly recap some of the definitions that you gave us in the beginning of the sermon to help us understand the difference between the different terms of holiness Mm -hmm. described in the Bible, because there's a bit of a controversy. Yeah, we, we just want to know, hey, what does the Bible say? How does the Bible define itself? And uh, so we're going to go through that. There's three words for counting the synonym for godliness that you should know the definition of. A godliness, and what godliness is, is the appropriate beliefs and practice uh, relating to our commitment to God. And so that's what godliness is. It's the, the, the right understanding and the right lifestyle in accord with our relationship to God. And a synonym that you're going to hear a lot more in the New Testament is the word holiness, or hagios in the Greek, and it just means to be set apart. And so we have to ask, if we're set apart or we're holy, uh, to what are we set apart for, and what are we set apart to? And so we need to understand holiness in its two definitions in the Bible. And the two definitions that are important are, the, are these. The first is positional holiness, or you would call this justification. Positional holiness is the holiness of Christ or his righteousness being placed onto you. And this alien righteousness finds you uh, before God on the day of judgment, absolved from sin, completely uh, holy and set apart from God's wrath in the sight of God. And so positional holiness is all about justification. You are right in the sight of God through Jesus Christ because you've turned from your sins and placed your trust in the Christ. That's positional holiness. The second, ter- the third term, the second term of the holiness 
is progressive holiness. And progressive holiness is simply the cooperation between a Christian and the Holy Spirit, and this God's Spirit given to you at salvation, the cooperation between the Christian and God's Spirit that works together to conform you into the likeness of Christ as we await his return. And so what you ought to see in in distinction between these two, positional holiness and progressive holiness, is positional holiness is something that has nothing to do with you. Positional holiness is something that is a gift to you from God in Christ through faith. Progressive holiness, however, there is in it the expectation and a cooperative work between you and the Holy Spirit. And so positional holiness you have nothing to do with other than the fact that you have trusted in what Christ has done. Progressive holiness is a cooperative work between you and the Spirit that conforms you into the likeness of Christ. And so those are some really important definitions to keep in mind for the rest of your life, but particularly as we discuss this sermon. All right. Well, Compass, the first point from the sermon was to get familiar with Scripture. And to get a summary of it, would highly recommend re-listening to uh, the sermon. But Pastor Hayden, uh, what are some helpful ways that we can become more familiar, meaning not just having head knowledge, but being able to have the understanding of what the Bible says, but then also to apply it. Well, you definitely need to start reading the Bible, which is why we do our daily Bible reading every year with our church. And that's why even during podcasts like this, we'll have a section in our podcast all about helping you understand this week's daily Bible reading. And so that's going to be really important for you. Uh, And don't make the mistake that so many do that even I was guilty of early on in my faith was, you know, I want to know everything the Bible says and then I'll do it. It's like, that's a terrible way. That's a very immature thought of what it means to walk in holiness. Uh, To get familiar with Scripture isn't just that I gain a lot of head knowledge and then someday maybe I'll apply it. It's as I know what Scripture says, I apply it to my life. And so we can't just know Scripture for knowledge's sake. We have to know Scripture for the sake of walking in Christ-likeness after God through uh, the cooperative work between us and the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, that's really what it is. Getting familiar with Scripture is just how we will walk in holiness, without which we would not know what holiness even is. All right. Well, the next point was point number two, obviously, after point number one, was to pursue godliness. Um Pastor, and he broke down the four things about how to do this, to plan, to prepare, to partner, to persevere. Um, what are some extra, not extra notes, but what are some helpful things for us to do to be able to apply this as Christians so that we can pursue godliness? One of the best things you guys can do as you prepare for your life group is truly go through these four Ps and write down how you can plan. Like, Think about some things that you deal with when it comes to struggling with holiness and the things that you, the proclivities, the sin, the temptation that you deal with, and begin writing out a plan of what do I need? Like what? Ask yourself the question. Whatever your sin is, and not that you just have one, but you understand that we all struggle with sin, and there are things that we are dealing with in our lives that need Bible's answer to. And so find what that is or those things are in your life, and then ask yourself in the plan, what does the Bible say is the godly way to handle this thing? And so begin writing down what the Bible says about what you're dealing with and have that as a part of the the plan. What does the Bible say? That's your plan then. What does the Bible say to do? And then you need to prepare. So start writing down tools. What are some tools? If you think about it, as you're doing research, looking up tools and resources that would help me put that plan uh, to work, to action. 
And then in your life group, definitely talk about how to partner up. How, how can accountability and encouragement and community uh, be a key to pursue godliness in the area that you need that uh, community in? And then perseverance, I want you to write down ways that you will and you can be consistent and persistent and not let failure derail you, and you will not grow weary in, do, in doing the good work and not grow weary in living a holy lifestyle, even though that you will fail at times, that you would not let that failure keep you from consistently pursuing a holy life. It's just the need to, in my perseverance, when I sin, to repent and continue moving forward. So I really want you guys to to focus on that. And it's one of your application questions that I really want you to look at. Question number four on your application questions. Take a lot of time on that. I hope your life group spends oodles of time on question number four. All right, which leads right to point number three, staying motivated by the end goal. And what is this end goal? Can you re-clarify this? What is the end goal that should motivate us to persevere? Well, in the text, we see that uh, the Apostle Paul is saying that we have our hope set on the living God. Well, to have our hope set on the living God, that can't just be a uh, ethereal idea in our minds about what it means to hope in God. Uh, because the whole gospel and the whole hope of God in Christ is not simply that there is a God that exists. It is also that this God who exists wants to relate to people, and that happens through holiness, the positional holiness that we have through Christ, and as we are cooperating in progressive holiness with the Holy Spirit, we are doing all this in light of the living God's return to us to take him to be with to be together with him in perfect harmony for eternity. So that is the end goal. When we have our hope set on the living God, we are looking forward to our eternal relationship with God in his presence. Now, there are a lot of uh, tertiary and secondary benefits when it comes to keeping the end goal in mind. We will be in the presence of God, primarily, and with the presence of God comes perfect joy, perfect holiness, Uh, no sin, no despair. Uh, These are, again, secondary benefits. Uh, Even the rewards in which we receive for living uh, for the Lord. Uh, Jesus says, store your treasure in heaven, uh, not on earth. And what does it mean other than the fact that there is reward in heaven for those who live for God here? And there is an actual secondary benefit of our hope set on God because we're no longer investing on the things here, but being motivated by the end goal, which primarily is us being in a relationship with God for eternity, but even secondarily and other tertiary benefits are the fact that we have a real benefit of the blessings of rewards from God for living with the end in mind. And so those are some things that you need to keep in mind that should keep you desiring to live a holy life here because, man, what is coming is so glorious. And the things that have kept us in the world from this holy relationship with God is simply the other things that we are now not pursuing and these things that we are motivated to leave because those are the very things that kept us from being in the relationship with God to begin with. And so they therefore should, in our life, uh, we should have a very disdainful idea to even sit in those any longer because we have our hope set on living God that has redeemed us and taken us out of uh, the darkness, placed us into the light. So we should stay motivated by the end goal, kind of exactly what Paul says in Philippians 3 and verse 14. And 
Paul says, I haven't already obtained this resurrection or this perfect life. And he's like, I'm not perfect, is what he says in verse 12. In verse 14, he says, but I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So he's keeping his eyes up. He's keeping his mind focused on the end goal because that is where our hope lies. And that is where the reward of faith that we have in Christ. And even, yes, the rewards that we'll have for a faithful life that will vary from person to person based on the stewardship that we've been given and the faith in which we have walked out in our lives that we'll receive when Christ comes and gets his church. All right. Well, Compass, one last thing from the sermon. Uh, Pastor Hayden, I want you to be able to help clarify for us or just reaffirm something you said in the sermon about having us really test our faith, especially when we are struggling to see fruit in our lives. And Compass, maybe for some of you, you push back, you have hesitancies or concerns about that idea. Um, But Pastor Hayden, what counsel would you give uh, the listener here about what it means to test their faith? I would ask them, what is point number one? And they would say, it is, get Get familiar familiar with with scripture. scripture. Okay, so we have to ask ourselves the question that we ask in the sermon. When it comes to examining myself, when it comes to asking myself if I'm really a Christian, I have to say, what does the Bible say about that? And so then I will turn to uh, uh, verses like 2 Corinthians 13, 5, when it says to examine yourself, to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? The Christian faith, I'll give you another example in a moment is about us making sure that we are indeed saved. Uh, Matthew 7, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, we're into the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do, do the, the will, will of God. Father. And so even that, like, okay, there are people who are going to say they're Christians, but they had not examined themselves. So Second Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourself to make sure you're in the faith. Test yourself. You need, to un- you need to not fail to meet that test. And if you do fail to meet the test, the good news is, is you recognize it now and not when you're in the presence of God, being the one who said, Lord, Lord. Now, secondly, when it comes to the Lord's Supper, which we do partake on a regular basis, it also says, let a person examine himself and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Even in our regular patterns of worship, God has placed a, uh, a pattern and a rhythm in our corporate worship of self-examination. Uh, one, in, uh, to make sure that we're living a holy life in as a Christian. It, it make sure that we are progressing in our holiness, to make sure that, hey, am I living the kind of life that is worthy of the life and death of Jesus Christ? And so I think those two verses are really good on what the Bible says about self-examination. One, to see whether or not that we are in the faith, and two, even if we are in the faith, to make sure we're examining ourselves to make sure that we are living a life worthy of the call that we have in Christ Jesus. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, you have several application questions for us. We should um, do them all and be prepared for Mm -hmm. a life group. Uh, But particularly in question number four about going through the four Ps, any um, words of wisdom of going through that? I would really love to see our church take time to write out exactly how they are going to address their life in regard to the pursuit of holiness using these four Ps. And if you would take a good amount of time really working this uh, question and being really applicational, and then to go to Life Group prepared to talk through this and give encouragement and maybe some transparency into your own life and how you're going to pursue holiness, but also to give help 
to those who are also going to be in your group who need a little bit of wisdom and insight on how they can plan, prepare, and partner up and persevere. So really focus in on that question and come away with some really good practical application that you can share and that you will share in your life group. All right. Lastly, uh, what what is a resource that they can get that will really help them understand the idea of holiness? I talked to your life group leaders about this in their podcast, but one I want to encourage you with is called The Whole in Our Holiness by Kevin DeYoung. It's a book I'm reading. I love it. It's so so good, and it's so clear and concise, uh, charitable, wonderful, uh, loving example of how we can pursue holiness and how it's okay to talk about the fact that there was something we need to do, and Kevin DeYoung does a wonderful job in that. We'll have it in our bookstore pretty soon, so you'll be able to pick it up there. All right, and also we also have another book that's in the bookstore already called Spiritual Disciplines of the, for the Christian Life by Don Whitney, which is already in the bookstore. We've recommended it before, but to help you in your planning of how to um, prepare to live a godly life, this book would be a great resource for you to have to work on some disciplines, spiritual disciplines that you can have in your life that God can use to help you grow in Christ likeness. All right, we are in a brand new year of our daily Bible reading, and this year, we're not going to be commenting on the Old Testament because we did that last year. This year, we're going to be talking through the New Testament. And we are going to start in the first book of the New Testament, the book of James. Just kidding, Matthew. <laughs> All right. Take it away. All right. Well, Compass, well done. We finished the, we'll finish the whole Bible last year, but we talked about the Old Testament. But now we're talking about the New Testament. And I want to give a shout out to the bookstore. There are three resources that I would implore and encourage and exhort for you to for you to buy and if we run out we'll get some more so you can get some get buy more you need to get a study Bible. You need to purchase. A purchase. I, the word get it just gets me sometimes. Oh <laughs> wow. Right, I'm just kidding. All right. You need to purchase so you may receive you need to get a study Bible. An ESV study Bible or a John MacArthur study Bible, we have those uh, there. Those will help you as you read the Bible with us this year, and especially the New Testament as we talk about it in this podcast, to help you follow along what's going on. And uh, for those who are willing to dive in a little deeper, highly recommend the Bible Knowledge Commentary. It's a two-book set. There's an Old Testament and New Testament. Those are both available in the bookstore. I bought all of these resources for my little brother for his birthday last week. Did he like it? He loved it. He loved it. I recommend all of these. And I recommend them too. And so go ahead and purchase those so that uh, you can have these resources to help you better understand the Bible as you read it so you can understand it, what God is telling you, and how you can apply it in your life. And so these are very helpful resources that you can have as you start off this journey with us January 1st, 2023. All right. Well, Compass, using my handy-dandy bookmarks and also my, you know, the Matthew uh, bi- Journal Bible that we also sell at the bookstore. Again, I told you it's going to be a really Man. big plug for yeah. the bookstore. Get you some. Uh, I want to be able to walk through uh, this week's daily Bible reading through the Gospel according to Matthew. And this week, you're going to be reading. Well, we are going to be reading Matthew chapter one verses. Uh, chapter 1 to chapter 6. And I'm going to actually add chapter 7, and you'll understand why I'm going to add it for this week. But one thing you need to note, right off the bat, uh, Matthew chapter 1, you're going to notice the genealogy of Jesus. And to really have a deep understanding of what that's ha- what's happening, I highly recommend you going back to Pastor Hayden's sermons on the genealogy of Matthew. 
And as a matter of fact, you can go to the sermon before those where I give an overview of the whole book of Matthew, uh, which I did in like August, August, no, I I can't remember. August, something like that, so August or September, where I talk through the an, an introduction to the book of Matthew, which is going to help you so much uh, to understand really the, at least what I put it, the narrative discourse view of the gospel of Matthew. And I'm going to ask our tech guy to add the link to that sermon in the description of this podcast <laughs> nice. so that people will know, yeah. because it's a very helpful overview of the, uh, the gospel, the entire gospel of Matthew, but particularly for this week, here's one thing you need to notice in chapter one. It's going to be in, in, in verse 21. Mary will bear a son and his name will be called Jesus. Why? Because his name literally means God saves because God, Jesus will save his people from their sins. And in verse 22, his name will also be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And this is important because the rest of the book of Matthew is proving these statements that Jesus is God with us and Jesus is the God who will save them from their sins. So underline and highlight those verses, Matthew 1, 21 to 22, because these are the thesis verses of the entire book that Matthew is going to prove for the rest and the remainder of his book. Um, to really prove the point, in chapter 2, we also we have the visit of the wise men, which Pastor Hayden, we, we taught through chapter two already. Which I, I, and I should have said in the genealogy, because that's really what you gave me, is remember the genealogy is all about proving that Jesus is the bearer and the rightful heir of the covenants of the Old Testament that find their fulfillment in Jesus, in uh, that is particularly the uh, Abrahamic covenant and the Davidic covenant, and even the Mosaic covenant, which we hear about. You can make a really good argument that that's really what the Sermon on the Mount uh, is a lot about is in relation to the Mosaic Covenant, but how Jesus is the answer and the culmination of all the covenants made in the Old Testament fulfilled in him in the New Testament. And this is why we started with the Old Testament last year, because if you understand the Old Testament, you're going to better understand the, the New, New Testament. Testament. So back to chapter 2, what you're going to notice is that these wise men are going to come. You're going to see two Gentiles. One is a, Jew, uh, a pretend king, Herod, and you're going to have... These wise men, this group of wise men, all of them are Gentiles. But one Gentile is trying to kill the Messiah, while the other Gentiles are trying to worship the Messiah. And this is fulfilling the Abrahamic covenant and the Davidic covenant, Mm -hmm. that the world would be blessed by this Messiah. And so here are Gentiles coming from a far land, coming to worship the Messiah. And even if you get into the, I wouldn't say the minutia, but even the more particular parts of uh, the Old Old Testament, even the Adamic Covenant, right? Which uh, we see the Proto Evangelium. <laughs> okay, we're talking about a lot of things. Uh, but you remember when we talked about the serpent and the uh, the heir of the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. You see the seed of the serpent in Herod the king, who is an Edomite, which you trace back to the Old Testament, is always that line that is trying to kill the chosen Messiah, and you see that playing in there in Matthew two that that was going to happen because that's exactly what God foretold would happen in Genesis chapter 3, and you see it taking place in Matthew chapter 2. And even right here, God with us is going to save them of their sins, and they're coming to come and worship the king. All right, in chapter 3, you're going to notice that you're going to see that John the Baptist is where we see him primarily. We'll see him later in the gospel, but this is his big scene of him preparing the way for the Messiah. And this is the baptism of Jesus. And my favorite question to ask people is, why did Mm. Jesus get baptized? Mm -hmm. And the answer is, to fulfill all righteousness. Then my next question is, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And usually you don't have a really good answer. Mm -hmm. Let me break it down to you. 
essentially, as we are being as baptized, being baptizo, that's the Greek word for baptized, means to be placed into. When we are baptized in water baptism, it just signifies and symbolizes what has already happened to us as we have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Meaning, when we repent of our sins and trust in Christ, our sins are washed away and we are immersed in God's, for the forgiveness of God, and immersed in the Holy Spirit. And now we are a new creation. The old self is dead. The new self has come. So we are placed into Christ. We come out a new creation. Well, Jesus was placed into water, signifying he's placed into humanity, Mm -hmm. taking our place so that we, as we are being baptized, there's a great exchange. Mm -hmm. There's a, a, a substitute. And we find out it's a penal, a civil substitution, meaning God's going to cover something of the law, but Christ is placed into humanity as we are being placed into Christ. He's taking on our sin as we get to take on his righteousness. And so we see that baptism as a, what is going to be culminating in the believer's baptism, uh, Christ is placed into humanity and we are placed into Christ. It's a great inclusio in, in the gospel is that at the beginning of the book of Matthew, you have Jesus being baptized as a sign of him putting on humanity. And then when we get baptized, we get placed into Christ. And even as water baptism happens, we at the end of the, 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 the culmination of the gospel, at least here on earth, is that we are placed into him. And so that now we take on what is spirit that we did not have access to. It's just a beautiful picture of why Jesus was baptized at the beginning of Matthew and what it means for us to be placed into him and what baptism in water, being placed into water, signifies for us that we're now placed into Christ. How cool. As you would say, come on. Come on, man. Come on. All right, well, Matthew, moving along in Matthew chapter 4, we have the temptations of Jesus. And what you need to know about this is this is Jesus is taking the place of Israel. Israel was baptized in the Red Sea, placed into water, and Jesus is baptized, and then placed into the wilderness to be tempted, and they failed. Mm-hmm. Jesus was tempted for 40 days, you know, 40 years. Jesus was tempted for 40 days and succeeded um, in defeating the temptations that Satan gave him. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, funny enough, notice what Satan says. If you bow to me, I will give you the world, essentially. If you just worship me, um, I'll give you the kingdoms. And in the end, in Matthew 28, what does Jesus say? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go make disciples. Because when you look at Matthew 4, Satan is really saying, if you would disobey God, and if you would submit to me, I will give you all of this without you having to obey God through suffering and dying on the cross. Representing the garden. Right. You don't have to go through all of that. If you would just bow to me, you can have all of this without having to go through obedience. Uh, But, uh, yeah, and so that point alone. But then I want to connect this to the sermon. Even when we look at this, what? how is Jesus being able to combat Satan and pursue holiness? With Scripture. Because he's familiar with Scripture. And so this whole time, even though Satan's using Scripture out of context, Jesus is so familiar with the Word of God. Given he is the Word of God. And, yeah, then he does what? He applies it and he uses it to pursue holiness holiness. Come on. I know. Isn't that good? All right. Finally, in Matthew chapter four, Jesus arrives into Galilee after John has been arrested and begins his ministry when he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Woo! And, and here's the cool thing. The reason why he starts in Nazareth is because in the land of Zebulun, in the land of Naphtali, a great... Isaiah. 
Great light was shown, and that's quoting Isaiah. And why is that? Because the exile began in, Naph- in Zebulun and Naphtali. Assyria invaded the northern tribes first. Which and, we learned about that and we learned in about our last that. series. And now Jesus begins his ministry reconquering the, the promised land and bringing people out of true exile of their sin. I mean, I'm getting the sugars Come on, right now. man. All right, and now... Matthew 5 to 7 is the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus' most famous sermon ever. And essentially, we're going to cover this in, honestly, just a few seconds, because what you need to know is Matthew 5 through 7 is what Christian living looks like in obedience to God, how Jesus perfectly, perfectly fulfills this, but how we get to live this out and how harmonious and how beneficial it is, kind of backed into your sermon. How living this for, living this out now is beneficial. Looking forward to the benefits of eternity. But the one thing that you need to take away from the Sermon on the Mount is found in the very last words. And I'm referring to a sermon that we heard at the Boise Conference. You know, this is how Jesus ends his sermon in Matthew chapter uh, chapter seven. In verses 24 to 27, the house built on the rock and the sand, something we're familiar with. But let me read it to you. This is what you need to take away from the sermon. Everyone then who hears these words of mine, Jesus' words about the whole entire sermon, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. You know, for us as Christians, we when we follow the words of Christ, we're going to face storms. We're going to face trials and tribulations. But when we follow God's word and apply it, we'll be able to stand strong based on what God's word has to say and his strength in following him. But the warning, verse 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The same rain fell. The same flood came, and the same winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. What you need to take away, what Jesus is trying to show is, if you do not follow my words here, you know, the Israelites that were hearing him and saying this, you will fall. And we see that throughout the book of Matthew. Therefore, we should live holy lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. And so uh, for us, that concludes our daily Bible reading. So what I encourage you to do is as you're reading the Bible, don't become, just become commentators, but become applicators, applicators. and live it out through, based, through the strength of the Holy Spirit and for God's glory alone. Hear Christ's words and follow them. It may be for you. It may be actually for the first time obeying God by repenting of your sins and trusting in Christ and being justified and for those who are justified, let us now follow Christ's words and be sanctified by his word. And that concludes our very first 2023 daily Bible reading spotlight. Woo! Yeah. All right. All right. Here we are. We are looking at announcements. Life groups are? Back. Adventure Club is? Back. Compass Students is? Back. DBR Reading Plan is? Is back. Still going. It's never ended. It It just recapitulates. All right. Well, hey, we're so grateful for this New Year's. We have a lot of things going on this January, and so we want you to be a part of it. If you haven't gone through Exploring Compass yet, we'd love you to register, be a part of Exploring Compass on January 15th and the 22nd. That two-week class is how you will get connected to Compass, learn about us, have your questions answered about us, and learn how you can be a part of what God is doing here at Compass. 
Uh, you can also, if you haven't, you understand next week is baptism service, baptism Sunday. Woo-hoo! And we want to encourage you, if you have not, to make sure that you follow through in believer's baptism. And this is an opportunity for you to walk in the obedience that we even talked about today, that you could, if you've never followed through in a believer's baptism, uh, that you would register now at compasshillcountry.org, go to the Get Involved tab, and click Get Baptized, and you can sign up there to sign up to have a meeting with me and Pastor Evan to talk through baptism and what it means and talk through your testimony and to look through how you can apply your testimony and allow God to use it for... uh, his glory and for our good. And so uh, sign up for that. If you have not, even if maybe you got saved years ago and you've never followed through in believer's baptism, or maybe you got baptized before you were saved and now you're saved, you need to get baptized because it's now called believer's baptism. You just got wet in public. Or maybe if you've been saved recently and never followed through in believer's baptism, understand that baptism is something that immediately precedes or immediately follows uh, our profession of faith. And so make sure that you Uh, register now in obedience to God to be baptized next Sunday. Last two announcements, really last one announcement. We have our men's breakfast, January 14th, 9 a.m. And we're going to be talking about, believe it or not, living a holy life. Pastor Evan's going to bring the word that day. We're going to have a great, wonderful time of fellowship and encouragement through the word and through community. And we are looking forward again to seeing you guys next week. Hey, invite someone to see you. We have a new little kiosk out in the lobby of our church uh, where it has some invite cards. And just think about it. When you walk out, grab some of those cards and be thinking and praying about who you could invite to come hear the word of God next week. Grab a card we we'll change your life. Grab a card, change your life. That is what it says. We are so grateful for you guys. Happy New Year's, Compass. We love you guys, and we look forward to seeing you guys soon. <laughs>